Well, we're growing something back here. Hopefully lots of love. <laughs> you're laughing. Whatever your pleasure. <laughs> Whatever your pleasure. Hey, exactly. good morning to you. It's 9.07. You're listening to the Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Jenna Barr. Hey, text in this morning, 437-1620. That's 850-437-1620 to the Pensacola Expert Panel. We're kicking off this Tuesday morning with the Garden Line with Mike Wiggins. Here we are. Here we are. Good morning. How are you doing, Jenna? Fantastic. I'm looking forward, though, to spring. Oh, man. You and me both. I am. I am so tired of this, but I, I will tell you this, you know, if we, the way the weather has been the last couple of days, that weekend rain was fabulous. It was great. We really, I think are a little low on our rain, but that nice slow rain, even this time of year, um, may help some of these plants that are damaged, um, recover. Okay. I don't know that for a fact, but, um, I think I'm doing a little wishing and hoping, yeah. But um, it, it might have helped. But keep in mind, for example, on our turf, um, our roots still grow in the wintertime. They will. And that rain has certainly helped. And, of course, that keeps all of us from having to turn on our sprinkler system, um, which we don't want to do this time of year. So, in any event, I was really glad to see the rain. But while, while we're talking weather, Jenna, um, tonight is going to be a little rough, it looks like, with some a lot of well, I say a lot of rain, not much rain, but I think the wind is going to be a real factor. So if you've got hanging baskets or patio furniture or um, whatever that has a tendency to blow away, um, tonight I think the wind is really going to blow. Okay. Some of the numbers that um, I heard on Channel 3 last night were amazing. I mean, you know, 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds. Okay. So as this front your, uh... this, this front's going to come through very fast. All during the night. I don't think we'll see a thing, anything in the sunlight. That's how it catches you by surprise. <clears throat> that That's Saturday right. night storm. Yes. Yes. Was it Saturday or yeah. Friday? I forget which one. But this weekend, that storm that blew through the wind was what woke me up. I thought people were applauding me in my dream, but it wasn't. <laughs> I know. They were doing I should that probably too, keep my thoughts inside my head. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is going to be rough. So, so obviously, be be prepared for that. Um, the also, one thing, though, real quick, sorry to interject. No, no, but no. The one thing we tend to forget, though, is uh, hanging plants. We kind of just like we set them and forget them, but pulling yeah. them down to your porch, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe gathering a little bit of your furniture to use as like a a blockade, if you will, for your other potted plants that you want to exactly. move down to the ground. Right, and kind of stack them next to the house. Yep. And and, and that that sometimes helps, but but be careful because you certainly don't want to don't want to lose anything. I don't know what's left in hanging baskets after the freeze, but, you know, do do what you can. Mine um, are just swinging empty. Just, that, that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> and, and, you know, one thing, um, we've talked about this weather, especially the freeze, over and over again, but it, it bears repeating that don't think it's all over. I mean, here we are in January, and keep in mind this stat that we have shared with people over the last couple of shows that on January 21st, Right around now, 1985, we went down to five degrees. And and just a couple other temperatures in February, just of 2007, we went down to 27. Um, in January 2008, we went down to 23. Oh, so boy. point is, um, January and even February um, is can be, we can get a freeze. So 
I know we've all lost a lot of plants. It just looks so bleak out there. But keep in mind, it may not be over yet. So those plants that you have brought in from the freeze and now have put back out, you may you know, keep in mind that um, just watch the weather. You may have to bring them back in a couple of times before we get out of all of this, probably into um, late March. So we will see. But that's, that's real important to watch the weather. Excellent. Hey, 850-437-1620. Good morning to you. Thanks for dropping in your greetings into our text line. That's 437-1620 if you would like to also add a question this morning. So far, we just have greetings. Well, good morning and good morning to everybody. I did I did want to show this, John. I'll talk about this. Um, Beth Bowles, who is our wonderful county extension agent here in Escambia County, does a fabulous job. Just sends out all these nice notices about proper techniques to garden and the latest one and she's written a couple of these because um, she has seen such damage from people who go out and buy plants plant them and then they don't do well mm. um, and a lot of us are going to be doing this in the spring because we have lost so much but she wants to be sure that we all understand that you can get slow growth you can get die back you can get leaf browning if you don't plant that plant correctly so here's a couple things that we have talked about on the garden line but we we need to let's say it again um if your root ball especially if it's an older plant that's been in a pot and it's got the roots that wound around you really need to literally loosen those roots i tell people to buy a box cutter and just get that box cutter and just rip those roots because that's going to allow those roots to take in water and nutrients. Nutrients. Whereas if it's put, if you put it in the ground very, very gingerly, that water is going to hit that root ball and yeah. bounce right off. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the big one that that she is really, really stressing is how to set the plant in the hole. Um, don't set it low. Well, we talked to Paul about that um, a couple of shows ago where you just don't want to set it below grade. Maybe a little bit above grade is okay, um, but that's the only way to do it. Um, And this is where I disagree with a lot of the literature from the state, and I have over the years, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but that's just I have had more success this way than others, is using organic material in the hole. Let's say you're planting a sycamore tree that's six feet tall, and you're following all these directions that – Beth is talking about about putting it in the hole and um, have it set just above grade a little bit. And also, don't bring any dirt up against the trunk of the tree or the plant. Have that exposed. And you can mulch pine straw around it. But you just have to be so, so careful that you don't cover up that root ball with dirt and go up the trunk of that tree. It is just very important because if not, you may end up with that slow growth and dieback and all of that. It just chokes it out a little. Yes, or? yes, exactly. And and you just need to be sure that you have loosened those roots. And when you dig that hole, put water in the hole first. Make it a big mush. It's a big messy thing, but that plant will do better. It's Canadian sphagnum peat moss. That's where I differ with the state. I think a little of that in the hole when you plant is really, really important and will help with that plant as you go forward because it holds moisture. Um, The state doesn't agree. They say just plant it right in our sand. Um, So, you know, who's right, I don't know. 
but I just like to use a little organic material. Love to hear from our gardeners who are listening. Say, how do you do it? Yeah. Do you like planting in the sand? And also, Beth stresses that if you've got landscapers doing this in your yard, go out and talk to them about this. If they're planting plants in your yard, say, hey, you know, you don't want to plant them too low because if you plant them too low um, and then cover that all up with dirt, you're going to have some problems. So that's her latest information on how to plant plants correctly and of course we always follow the state and this one i do agree with well right you know right plant in the right place if you've got a shade loving plant obviously in the shade sun loving in the sun if you've got a deciduous tree planting it on on the right side of the house on the on the west side of the house is probably the best way to do it so right plant and right place but the trick is to plant originally when you plant it to plant it correctly so that's what beth is i'm sending out her information about okay excellent thanks mike i've got those notes up on our podcast page just look for pensacola expert panel or garden line on newsradio 923.com let's take a quick break i'm going to show mike some of the pictures that are coming into our text line you can send yours in too or your questions feel free to call 850-437-1620 one two three Nine eighteen. Good morning. I'm Jenna Barr. Thanks for tuning in to News Radio ninety two three. Informative, local, dependable, just for you. This morning we have the garden line. So if you're still on the fence about what to. Uh, Yank, cut back, trim. Please send it in first, just in case you haven't caught recent um, episodes of The Garden Line. And of course, all of our episodes are up online at newsradio923.com. Just search for The Garden Line. You can look for Mike's face. It's right there on our homepage. Um, But we had a picture of amaryllis come in. The the bud is, is beautiful. The bloom is beautiful. Okay. But the leaves, I've seen this on some of my plants that I forgot to bring inside. Right. Right. And it's the green towards the inside near the stem. Right. Then it starts to yellow and then brown. Right. And so, and I, I would just trim that off. Okay. And keep in mind that amar- an amaryllis is just a fabulous plant, the perfect perennial for Pensacola. And so as soon as the weather dictates, because it looked like from her picture that it was inside, um, yeah. maybe in a Florida room or what have you. Sure. But um, get it back outside and, quite frankly, get it in the ground. You could go ahead and plant it if you wanted to, and you can even trim off the green, and it will come back every year and bloom. It likes the sun. It doesn't like pure shade. It likes the sun, but it's a great plant. The pictures that they sent us, those plants look pretty healthy to me, and I think they're going to do just fine as we as we get into spring. But then, Jenna, there's the other one. Okay, yeah. The oh, other our, one. our dear friend, uh, Carolyn, who Carolyn, we adore. Yeah. And always sends perfect pictures, actually, to go along with the explanation. This one, we needed zero. Mike didn't even have to ask anything. Uh, some browning jasmine that yeah. took a hit probably in that cold. Yeah, exactly. Confederate jasmine. Confederate. Which is one of our favorite blooms. It, you know, it's, it's oh, beautiful. Smells favorite. so good. Yes. It's great. And it's usually on a trellis. And that's yeah, how she's Yeah, you ever see a lady out there it. with her head deep into the jasmine? <laughs> it's you? It's me. <laughs> we'll be looking for that. Absolutely. I am concerned about that Confederate jasmine that is in the picture. Obviously. I mean, it's total brown leaves. 
and I don't know if it's going to survive or not. <clears throat> Keep in mind, jasmine is a woody plant, and remember we've talked about that, about your woody plants, how all the experts are saying, leave them alone, leave them alone, don't touch them, see what's going to come back before you do some pruning. Well, the picture we got looks a little rough to me. What I would do is you kind of start at the top and work your way down scratching the bark with your fingernail or a little pin knife or what have you. And if it's green, you're probably going to get some new growth in the spring. If it's not green, you may be in trouble and kind of work your way down the plant. And if it just looks like everything is is brown and not green, you may need to go ahead and think about just pulling that thing out. But like I say, you never know. And if it's in a place where it doesn't make any difference, if it's not unsightly, and quite frankly, if it's not driving you crazy because it's all brown and dead, let it go. That especially is important, Jenna, when we start talking about citrus. People who have citrus trees and have all kind of damage, I think everybody does. That's the one that all the experts, and I'll agree with that, say don't touch it. Don't do any pruning until late spring, even June. Wait and see what's going to live and what's not going to live. So I think that's good advice. But on that jasmine, I think I would kind of test it by scratching it. And if you just don't see any live growth, you may want to think about redoing that plant come, come spring. Jasmine's a fast grower, and it really will. It'll cover that trellis, you know, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it is one of the great plants in Pensacola for not only blooms and green and filling a trellis. Um, maybe so many people have an area they need to cover a big, um, say, a, a, a garage or uh, some uh, by the fireplace where they need some tall growth. So right. you're putting a jasmine on a trellis serves that purpose many times. Sure. Okay. Thank you for that. And Carolyn, update us again, see how it goes. Hey, this is a fun question. Um, And good morning to you. You can always leave your name at the end of your message as well. So when can we put out weed and feed on baseball fields for spring ball? Great question. Isn't that, is that our first time? First time ever. That is so cool. No, that's great. Weed and feed is, well, is something I do not recommend quite frankly. No, you do not. I, I do not. But what I do recommend is the, well, let me back up a minute. Weed and feed contains a pre-emergence herbicide to keep weeds from coming up and a fertilizer. You just don't need fertilizer that early, but you need the weed killer early, like middle of February or say sometime in February. Put the pre-emergence weed killer out. You can get liquid or granular and that will help inhibit all those weeds from coming up in the spring. But wait on your fertilizer till you get even into April before you put the fertilizer out. Okay. Because you put it out this early, one, it's not going to do much good. Right. Two, what it, might, what it does, it will sometimes yellow out the grass, which is usually temporary, but it's big. When you see people in March with big yellow splotches in the grass, it's coming out of dormancy. Um, that's probably because they've used uh, fertilizer too early. So fertilizer later, weed and feed middle of February or thereabouts, say in the month of February, because once those weeds are up, and you know how it is in Pensacola, we may have had the coldest winter ever, 
But once we start hitting March and April, get a little bit of rain, a little bit of 70s and 80s temperature, those weeds are going to just come on strong. So we need to have that pre-emergence out already in order to inhibit that weed growth. So that's the timing there. Very good. Hey, before we take a quick break, our dear friend Catherine texted in. Uh, we were talking about planting plants correctly, and you had mentioned uh, using organic materials in the hole, and Catherine suggested, um, she said, I always add a high-grade potting soil to the hole. And and that basically is doing the same thing that I've, I was recommending. It, it gives you a richer soil in there, so initially... Um, those plants may want to go through a little bit of a shock, but if you've got some organic material in the hole that holds moisture in there, I think that lessens the plant shock. And so I, yes, a good high grade potting soil, good idea, excellent idea, especially if you're planting smaller plants, say a, a bed of petunias, for example, or begonias or what have you. Sure. Um, you could put a layer of peat moss in there or a layer of good potting soil and kind of work it in, say, oh, four to five inches, rake it smooth, and then plant your plants. I think that's the best way to do it. So, Excellent. All right. Well, I will say this. Yes. Catherine is always right. Yes, she is. <laughs> she is terrific. She really is. She really she knows what she's doing. She keeps us in line over here. She, oh, yes. I, absolutely. <laughs> always good to hear from her. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much Thanks, for Catherine. that. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have just a little bit of time. Somebody texted in a really excellent tip for your amaryllis as well. So good, you got to hang tight. Let's take good. a quick. Good morning to you. Hey, before we take a break and head on over to get a Fox News and local news update in our newsroom here on News Radio 92.3, a real quick tip. I really liked this, um, and I already texted it over to our listener who was asking about the amaryllis. Some green leaves turning into yellowish and then brown at the edges. And Jan was saying, our friend Jan, uh, don't trim amaryllis if leaves are green, only brown. They need the green in the leaves for food, the nutrients for next year. And that's kind of how bulbs, um, what bulbs need. The picture we had with those discolored leaves, the brown leaves, I clipped those off. But you can leave those green leaves on because they do feed the bulb and make the bulb healthier. And quite frankly, from an amaryllis, probably make it larger so you get bigger and better blooms every year. Okay. So that's a good idea. And that's good for almost every bulb. I don't know, daffodils, um, tulips, that type of thing. Leave, okay. the, leave the green growth on there to feed the bulb. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that. When we come back, yes, we'll do a little azalea talk for you. I've got Scott texting in a question for you. And if you'd like to text in 850-437-1620 here on The Garden Line.
936. Good morning and happy Tuesday to you. You're listening to The Garden Line on the Pensacola Expert Panel here on News Radio 92.3. Catch the whole episode at newsradio923.com or again on Saturday morning here on News Radio 92.3. So let me jump back into the text line 437-1620. Our friend Scott was wondering if uh, you could talk a little bit about azaleas what to do about azaleas now his some of his are blooming right now and I have seen some blooms along with the beautiful camellias um but what should we do right now should we just let some of them that have died off die off and then let the new growth come well that that goes back to our care of woody plants it is a woody it is a woody plant it's a woody ornamental and on the azaleas I certainly would leave them alone see what's going to happen because if you start pruning your azaleas you don't know how much to prune you don't know what the damage is and you're obviously going to cut off spring blooms um, if you don't if it's not done right so what i would do is absolutely leave them alone let them bloom and as soon as they're finished blooming then do your pruning because if y'all we all know that azaleas set their buds really mid to late summer for the next year. So obviously the buds are all set, ready to go, those that haven't frozen. And I would um, not do one thing. I, would fer- I wouldn't fertilize them either until, until you're, you're doing your pruning after they bloom. And keep in mind, we like that tight handful for every foot of height. It's really weird, not weird, but it's really odd to me that we're seeing so many azaleas bloom after that freeze i was in gulf breeze yesterday and um, there was some of the indica azaleas indica azaleas are your larger growing azaleas your dwarf azaleas obviously are the smaller ones but some of these indica azaleas were i don't want to say they were in full bloom but just all these blooms were popping out it was gorgeous and it was just one of those things you say you know mother nature is really amazing and after all that hard freeze we had here come these azalea blooms but i would enjoy them but not do one thing to them till after the blooming season then you can prune them and fertilize them and kind of see how you stand then that's what i would do okay all right good good rule of thumb here we go 8504371620 uh you're welcome to Scott and uh if you have another question we got a, just a couple of uh thank yous here if you have another question please just drop it in our text line this morning at 4371620 here on the garden line what other things should we add to our list this week well here's what we need to do this is tree growing season we if you're going to plant trees in your landscape this is a good time to do it when it is cold, especially your deciduous trees. And so you need to go ahead and get them in the ground. But, of course, you've got to decide, number one, what kind of tree do you want? Do you want a large-growing tree or one that doesn't grow quite so big? Do you have the place for it, not under uh, lines, you know, under electric lines? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have that. You want to plant them on the right side of the house or the wrong side. You don't want to do that. You've got to make all those decisions insofar as the trees that you want to grow. And then, as we talked at the very beginning of the show, you need to plant them correctly. That is so important. I just thought, Jenna, if we had just a second, maybe to run through just a few of these trees that are Pensacola favorites that we we can do. Let's do this. Let's start out with a smaller growing tree, um, a red bud. 
red buds are, quite frankly, an understory tree. It, on say you big, have a big live oak, you can grow a, a red bud underneath it, or a big sycamore, or one a, a large growing deciduous tree. They are really sort of a harbinger of spring. They will bloom so very, very Ooh, early, yes. early in the spring, and. We know spring is coming once the red buds are blooming, but it's a very, very hardy tree. It doesn't get very many problems at all, and they're readily available in the market. I would suggest, when we're talking about all these trees, to plant a relatively large one. Let's say six to eight feet. That's going to give you enjoyment of that tree because you start planting some of these one-gallon two-foot trees. It's going to take so long for them to grow. Okay. Plant some size to them. So a red bud is a, is a great choice. Here's another one that I really like. This is a, a river birch. River birch, generally we grow river birch as a multi-trunk tree. It's got beautiful peely bark. Mm, it's not so like pretty. the old white birch that um, canoes used to be made of. It's um, got the peely bark that's just really pretty kind of reddish if you will the only disadvantage i have found over the years of a river birch is in a storm in an ivan or a, a larger you know a sally sometimes you'll get a river birch of even if they can grow very tall but the top will sometimes snap out of them usually it doesn't knock the whole tree over but those winds will sometimes snap the top of that tree usually doesn't kill it but it's um, just, you know, doesn't look good, and it's dangerous. So okay. um, that's the only problem I can see with the river birch, and that's, that's probably uh, something very remote, but that's one thing I have noticed. How about a Japanese magnolia? Now, you talk about a harbinger of spring. They will bloom very, very early. The big saucer-like blooms. Their buds, if you see, if you have one, you know the buds are set right now, and I'm hoping, hoping that the freeze did not affect the buds on the Japanese magnolia. I don't think that's the case, but it really is a great tree to just notify us that spring is coming, and it's just gorgeous. It blooms for a relatively long time, but it's a great smaller tree once again. But here's a big one, okay. probably a Pensacola favorite, and that's a red maple. Oh, yes. It's red maple. Now, let me tell you how you can tell it's a red maple. If you look at the stem of a red maple, you've got the leaf on the stem, when the stem is red, you've got a red maple. They will grow to the sky. You've got to be sure that you, you know, keep it pruned at the bottom so you can walk underneath it. If you want to, you can have low limbs, but I prefer to be able to walk underneath it. It's a great shade tree, nice color in the winter, doesn't have any problems. So a red maple is an excellent, excellent choice. In addition to red maple for your really large growing trees you've got sycamores sycamores okay. are not my favorite jenna because but they're a pensacola favorite oh yeah you see them okay. everywhere see them everywhere but i don't like them because they've got these huge saucer-like leaves and in the fall they are a huge mess you just don't want you just don't yeah i don't i don't want to say you don't want to plant one if you need a large growing shade tree okay sycamore is fast growing a lot of shade, very hardy, but that's that's the story on the sycamore. Then, of course, our my favorite, of course, which really is Pensacola, as far as I'm concerned, are the live oaks. Uh, yeah. And you know how you a live oak is different from other oaks? It's got that saucer-like leaf. You take a leaf off, it's kind of like a saucer, and that's what a live oak does. 
live oaks have pretty much done very well in our hurricanes. You'll you'll lose some. Sometimes they'll, depending on the moisture in the ground, um, you'll have some damage. But for the most part, um, live oaks are very, very hardy. And they look good. What's one disadvantage to live oaks coming up in the next month, John? The leaves. You are so good at this, I think they're just, right now with all that wind. That's right. They're just all over the place. The leaves and all those old leaves come off, and you will be raking leaves for a month, maybe six weeks, but that's okay. That's okay. It's a beautiful tree, and you can just rake them up, put them in the trash, and, and there you go. But a live oak is probably one of our favorite trees, and of course, it's it's not deciduous. It it loses it, it loses those leaves, um, but it doesn't ever lose all its leaves. Okay, it's, it's a permanent shade tree. Um, how about let's see, find one more here. Well, we got to go to our to our crepe myrtle, of course. Oh, yep. And crepe myrtles, of course. What I what I recommend to people is if you know the color of a crepe myrtle that you want, um, a watermelon red is a good example. That's always been a Pensacola favorite. You'll go to a garden center, and sometimes it's just labeled red. Now, you don't know if that's a pinkish red or a watermelon red or a deep red. So, obviously, if you want to know exactly what you're getting, this is going to be a brilliant statement. Buy it when it's blooming so you know what you're getting. And that goes um, every time. But crepe myrtles are great, but right now is the time to start pruning them back. I had mine pruned back last week and did a great job. I cut them back, cut back. They bloom on new growth. And so I cut back all we're leaving about a foot and a half to two feet of the new growth. And I think they're going to do just fine. They always do when I prune them like that. But what you don't want to do, obviously, we've talked about this so many times on the show, you don't want to commit crepe murder yeah, and bloom no. those crepe. I mean, and cut those crepe myrtles all the way down every year. You end up with big knots, and you end up with all that spindly little growth, which is witch's broom, is what some people call it. So be careful with pruning your crepe myrtles. But uh, January, February, I like to do it then, and then sometimes, oh, probably in the April time frame, you'll start seeing new growth. Okay, and they'll be pretty again. Very good. Thank you. You get that whole list online at newsradio923.com. Just search for Pensacola Expert Panel or Garden Line. Let's take a break. When we come back, a question about um, African iris and oleander. So you hang tight. We'll get to your question. If you have another one, squeeze it in. We've got about 10 minutes or so left here on the Garden Line on News Radio 92.3. Okay, question here from the text line. Da-da-da-da. All right, first let me get to the leave raking thing because we were talking about raking leaves. Um, do you recommend start raking now, get the leaves off the grass, um, then mulching them, or leave them for now? I know you're not going to like this answer. Rake get em. to work. Rake them. Oh. Rake them. <laughs> it's funny. I saw an article on that the other day from out of the state that said it's really important to rake them because you want – not those you don't want those leaves to cover your turf mm. you want the sun to get yeah. to your turf and as it because it's going to start coming out of your dormancy and you know in the next month or so right so you want those off of there and also this is a little bit of a reach but the same okay. article said sometimes if you leave the leaves on there it'll hold moisture down 
which can in turn cause fungus, the old St. Augustine oh, brown yeah, patch fungus. Sense. So get them, off, get them off. You can use them as a mulch or you can bag them up and, and let, let them go in the trash, but get them off the lawn. Now, keep in mind, you got to be practical about this. We don't, none of us have enough time to do it every day. But I, I would, you know, rake them every week or so. Um, you're never going to get them. You're still always going to have them, especially when these oak leaves are falling so fast. But do the best you can. Okay. Okay. Good tip right there. Let's hop back on over to the questions that came in about uh, African iris as well as the oleander. Also, Paul, I see your text coming in. I'll get to that one second. Um, let me see. So where did it go? Oh, here it goes. Uh, I have several African iris. Of course, the greenery is burnt. What should I do? Also, should I cut back the oleander? Will it bloom this year or am I going to miss blooms this year? You share your thoughts, then I'll share uh, share Paul's. Okay, perfect. On the African iris, I would I would cut them back. I have I have a huge iris in a large large pot, and I guess I've enjoyed that plant as much as any because it's got those what I described is my description, small orchid like blooms come off of these long arms that it sends out during the summer. It is a great plant. All my foliage is is brown too. I think on the iris you could cut it back. I don't think there's a problem doing that. That's what I'm going to do. On the oleander, I would be tempted to leave it alone for a while. I really would. Let's see what happens. I think it's going to come back. I do think you'll get blooms this year. I really do. But I think I would just kind of a little bit of patience on the oleander before I started whacking away at it. Okay. Also, Paul mentioned be very careful if or when you decide to prune back oleander. It's super toxic. That I am so glad he said that. Oleander is toxic. Another word for that is poisonous. Yeah. You've got to be so careful with oleander around um, children and animals and pets and people. I always wanted to put in my yard, of course, I got a ton of grandchildren, so I didn't do it. Right. I love dwarf oleanders. Pink, they're hardy, they have great looking foliage, bloom all the time in the, in the summer. But I haven't done it because they are toxic they are poisonous and paul thank you for reminding me of that and i am you know they're fine at the beach and the right away where okay. you know nobody's going to go in and um you don't want to be a boy scout and cut some oleander off and cook uh. marshmallows over a fire <laughs> you don't want to do that kind of thing no. because they they are um hgtv.com has like an in, better homes and garden uh all these other pretty popular like um what is this called home health mm-hmm. i do home guides Britannica, I mean, HowStuffWorks.com, all of them warn you of having oleander. You have to have no kids, no small pets, no dogs that dig, cats that don't come around. You have to be really careful. Um, They say other things to be careful with are star jasmine and periwinkle, uh, just because it's in the the same class or species, I don't know, family. Uh, which can have some poisonous effects. Right. I've never heard. Wow. I've never heard the um, periwinkle, which is vinca. Which what, is it, one, what does that look like? Okay. Oh, it's it's great. As a matter of fact, I was going to talk about. I'll talk about that next week when we have more time. It's a great annual. Oh yeah. You know, it's pretty. You've got it's a white blossom with a little red dot in it, and it, it pure sun bloom all summer long. But I, I will say this while we're talking about periwinkle and vinca, and we'll talk more about this at another show. Do not 
plan it too early. Now, nobody's going to plan it now. We just told them, like, pretty much it's going to kill you. Said no. <laughs> nobody's going to plan it. Exactly. exactly. But if by chance you're going to plant periwinkle, which so many people do because it's so pretty, mm-hmm. um, wait. Wait on that till probably, oh, I'm going to say April, because if you put periwinkle or vinca, whichever you want to call it, into cold soil, it has a tendency to rot. Wait till the soil heats up. Wait till the environment heats up okay. before you plant the periwinkle, okay. vinca, if you will. But it is, it's a Pensacola favorite. So many people grow it because it's relatively bulletproof. It sure. grows very fast, and it blooms all summer. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Mike, Paul. Thank you, everybody, for texting in your thoughts, your tips, and, and guidance. We, we all need each other to keep one another alive no question i think that's important talk to somebody when you go to the store like if you go to the nursery your local nursery talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about that's why you shop local a lot of the local places hire people who know what they're talking about not just a cashier i love y'all and i love supporting people who have jobs but make sure that they are knowledgeable about things and thank you paul so much i appreciate that we'll get paul back in here behind the mic again here soon let's take a quick break it's 9 56 on the pensacola expert panel I refuse, but they're gonna they're gonna make me let you go, Mike. I don't want to go. That was a this good show today. Fun. Oh, thanks everybody for calling. It was great. One other quick comment, Jenna. Quick comment before we leave. Going back to the um, weed killer, the pre-emergence weed killer. If you have put ryegrass on your lawn, don't even think it. Don't do it. It'll damage it. But also, more important. Keep it out of the flower beds. If you're going to spray or use a granular, don't let it go in your flower bed because some of those pre-emergence chemicals can do damage, and you just don't want to do that. So if you're going to use that pre-emergence, as you should, if you have a weed problem, be careful. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Mike. Great show today. Thank you for tuning in for all your questions, your comments, your tips, your tricks. We love it. We love hearing from you. So tune in next week, 9 to 10 a.m. on Tuesdays for The Garden Line. Mike, I'll talk to you next week. You got it.